In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Nine months to the day, it is Christmas. And so today we pause our Lenten observance to contemplate the conception of our Lord in the Virgin Mary. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Ahaz tells us, the prophet tells Ahaz, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. The virgin's name was Mary. God promised Mary through Gabriel the angel that she would bear a son. But God promised more than just a son to her. She was promised that her son would be the Savior. Now the clue to find that in the passage is not explicit but implicit. The clue is found in the name, the name itself, Jesus. The name Jesus means God saves. Her son would bring pardon to the guilty, freedom to mankind made captive by sin. It is appropriate always at all times to contemplate the promises that God makes to his people. But now in these times, these times of trial, it is most appropriate to focus on the promises God makes to his people. And so, of course, the Annunciation of our Lord is most appropriate to contemplate today. In these times, we have been dealt with an onslaught of disappointment, of cancellations, fear of death, and even uncertainty of the future. This barrage of bad news has caused many of us to be humbled. We took what we had for granted. We were not thankful as we should have been. We are, after all, only human, and the world around us is dying. But be comforted, not by the promises that come from the president or promises that come from the Senate, be comforted by the promises of God. The Lord says to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. These are the words of promise that were made to Mary. And these are the words of promise that are made also to you. And he makes them known to you by his word, even through a camera and through a screen. Take hold of this word. Rejoice. It is the greatest news that anyone can receive. And that is why we call it the Annunciation. It is the 
announcement, the greatest announcement ever made to mankind, made to Mary by the angel Gabriel. If you feel the forces of evil in the world pressing in around you, if you feel your own sin tormenting your mind and your heart, if you have any need, which I suspect people do now more than ever, this announcement is important. God became man, and he came to forgive his people from their sins. Jesus, it means God saves. One of the things that has seemed to continue to worsen in our world is a lack of fear. Our world has not seen, and especially our country, has not seen any types of major events, at least since 2001, and nothing of this magnitude in terms of physical, uh, in terms of plague, since 1908 or 1918. But our world has gotten progressively more sinful, progressively more decadent and luxurious, and people, I believe, have lost sight of their own depravity. Many people have lost the sorrow over sin. For them, the Annunciation of Mary or to Mary is of no significance. As Christians, we do not attribute disasters to one particular sin or to one particular sinner. That is an error. But I do not think it is wrong, and it is not wrong, to consider that these trying times are a punishment from God. Think of the many millions of aborted babies in our land over the past 50 or so years. Think of the sexual deviancy that is now made mainstream and law. Think of how many despise and hate the salvation announced to Mary on behalf of all mankind. Think of all who hate the scriptures and are ashamed of them. God came to us. He became man. He was scourged and died upon a cross. He rose from the dead in victory over death. And 2,000 years later, mankind couldn't care less. But it's not only a punishment for the unbelievers and the scoffers. It is also a punishment for us. How often do we ignore the word of God or take the blessed sacraments for granted? How often do we value our worldly possessions more than our heavenly possessions? Repent. As we continue to receive this chastisement from God, we should respond not in fear, not in sadness, but rather we should rejoice. We should give thanks to God for this chastisement. We should not only give Satan, we should not give Satan any credit for what is happening in our world today, for bringing us a greater appreciation of the gifts of God. We should not give Satan any credit for bringing us to repentance, although we do not attribute evil, and we don't call evil good, but we acknowledge that God turns good into evil, so evil into good.
The passage, the Lord works all things for good, is not just a comfort for a Christian. It is a threat to Satan. Our Lord has a way of turning what is evil into good, as I just said. The most vivid reminder of this reality, if you don't believe me, is the cross itself. We call it Good Friday, even though the Lord Almighty dies that day. Jesus became a curse. He became, a, he became sin. He was chastised and beaten. He suffered the evil brought into the world by mankind, and he was swallowed up by Satan. But Satan did not win. He could not bear it. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? He did not win, and he will not win. Be gladdened, dear Christian, for this chastisement is but for a moment, but glory everlasting. The words of promise to Mary give us comfort as also. For Jesus is the answer to prophecy. He is the long-promised Messiah. And God keeps his promises. And he promises to be with us until the very end of the age. And his promises are absolute. He also promises to come again and bring us out of this valley of sorrows to himself in heaven. Thanks be to God. In Jesus' name. Amen.